Good morning. I write these things so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you will have life. That, I think, is John's purpose in writing this gospel. I think it's his only purpose in writing this gospel. Today we've come to um, chapters 12 and 13. Um, these are <coughs> truly two of the saddest chapters in all the Bible. If you're, if you're paying attention, if you're keeping up with it, these are the saddest chapters in all the Bible. Uh, John 1 through 12, uh, 1 through 12, well, that's terrible. I can write better than that. <laughs> 1 through 12 is, would, would count Jesus' public discourse. This is um, where he's trying to give, convince us. 12, at the end of 12, is the great turning point. It's where it all changes. We're going to cover that today. And from 12 through 21 is Jesus just saying, please guys, I picked you 12 guys, you're dumb as creek rocks. Please try to understand what I'm trying to say. And, and that's, uh, so that's where we're going to be today. Um, if, as we start in 12, there, there's uh, about five pericopes that we're going to look at today. And I, just, I want to just take them uh, one at a time. But I need a time. Alex, have you got a, a time deal? Sure. What, do you need? what is it like right now? 10.03 at 10. I need to know on the 15 minutes if I'm going to get through. I, number one, I did not organize this class. Had I organized this class, I would have taught it a chapter at a time. We'd been 21 chapters. We'd covered two quarters, and that would have been right. But George put us all, you got to do two in a week. Got to do two in a week. And so there's just, it's not, it's not possible for me to go through this two in a week. So anyway, if you would tell me on the 15 minutes, that would help me tons. I don't know how, but anyway. <clears throat> Chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany. We're going to read this pericope, and then we're going to talk about it. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of that perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? We're in Bethany, which means house of the poor. We're in a poor place. Why would we not want to give that to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say, John whispers in our ear, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used to keep what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was meant that she should save this perfume for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of the Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on the account of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. So this week, I've spent my time 
looking at the accounts of this in the other Gospels. And this is what I found. So let's, let's just look at this quickly. First of all, John says that this happened six days before Passover. He came to Bethany. Now, John doesn't say, and that night we had a dinner. He just says, six days before the Passover, we came to Bethany. It's, it's been about one month since Jesus healed Lazarus. And what I think he did, remember he went back, I wish I, well, no, I don't wish because Dale castigated me this morning as I left the house and said, you don't even have your computer? Well, that won't be interesting. No, she didn't say that won't be interesting, but she likes it when I use the computer because at least I have something to talk about. Uh, but remember last week we talked about he went over to Bethany on the other side of Jordan. On the other side of Jordan, down by the Dead Sea, the Jericho, the city of Jericho is back on this side of Jordan. Remember they when Joshua crossed over Jordan and he took the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember that, that whole story? He took the Ark of the Covenant and crossed over and they, they defeated Jericho there. Jericho is 14 miles from Jerusalem. However, it ascends 3,000 feet going up. So it's quite the hike. So on the Jericho Road, there is room for just two. Um, <laughs> So I think Jesus has been hanging out over there on Bethany, the other side of Jordan. Why was he not in Jerusalem? Anybody? They're going to kill him. He's been thrown out of the temple. Definitely the, uh, the temple guards know not to let him. And he's been thrown out of the temple and they want to kill him. Now this passage tells us that they're trying to kill Lazarus as well. So if you look in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, which I don't want you to do. Eyes here. <laughs> Both of those Gospels, both of those synoptics mention that a woman anointed him at the house of Simon the leper. Now, are they fighting against John here? Not necessarily, because John just says he went to Bethany. doesn't say he went to... You see what I'm saying? Okay. A lot of people, a lot of... I see most of my academics have left this, but... Uh, but uh, <clears throat> but most academics get really bent out of shape because the synoptics don't synopt. Well, the synoptics, the three, mean with one eye. We're viewing it with one eye. John is attempting to fill the gaps. John's trying to tell the rest of the story. So let's keep going. John mentions that Jesus mentioned, I'm sorry, Matthew and Mark mentioned that Jesus mentioned this anointing was for his burial. In both of those Gospels, he, she anoints his head. The disciples or the priests, uh, that's not true. The disciples or those present uh, are the ones who object to this extravagance. They don't name names. The other two Gospels don't name names. And Jesus memorializes her gift. Jesus says, leave her alone. What she's doing is a beautiful thing. Front row, right here on the front row. <laughs> here's one. And here's another. You, you just sit right here because I got, I got questions for you. <laughs> um, Luke, let's look at Luke. So in Luke... This begins earlier 
The, he covered he covers the same but he no that didn't I didn't mean to say that. He covers an event that happened a lot earlier. Let's look at Luke. He refers to her as a sinful woman at the home of a Pharisee very early in the ministry in Luke chapter 7. The Pharisees object to Jesus letting the woman touch her. That's their objection. She wets his feet with her tears and she dries them with her hair. I would conjecture here that Matthew and Mark are describing the same event that John is describing. That Luke has a completely other event. You see what I'm saying? John is also in Bethany. Matthew, and Matthew gives no timeline. Mark says it's two days before Passover and you're going to see the next uh, uh, verse that we pick up, John 12, 12, the next day we're going into the triumphal entry. So it's, the timeline is right there. There's nothing to get bent out of shape about. Just suffice it to say, this is a great story. Um, one thing John doesn't mention is he doesn't mention the alabaster jar. That's found in Matthew, the alabaster jar. Nard comes from India. It's a spice from India. Um, you know, I'm constantly amazed. This is 2,000 years ago. And think of the travel that, they, that they, they were able to go anywhere they wanted to go and do anything they wanted to do. And Israel was a really big deal. Um, I, I've mentioned, several people know, know what I'm about to say, but if you look at the Gulf of uh, Odon right here where you come up into the Red Sea and later on you go right to Israel at the very top it's just a little tiny Israel and there's Africa on one you know all all that on both sides down here at the Gulf one of them is Somalia and the other is Yemen how did Somalia get its name and how did Yemen get its name in Hebrew Somalia is left and Yemen is right you want to know how big a deal Israel was at the time of Solomon. It's fascinating. All right, where did I, how did I get there? Okay, anyway, now. <clears throat> this whole anointing thing at, uh, at Bethany was a wake-up call for the disciples because she is anointing him for burial. His disciples think he's going to go in and take the city. Everybody thinks he's going to take the city. And she's anointing him for burial, and he memorializes her. She says, he says, exactly. She gets it. And they're like, I got some knives. Look at this. <laughs> Verse 12. The next day, there was a great crowd that had come to the feast and heard Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. If you're keeping up with the synoptics, this is in Luke 18.35. This is in Luke 18.35. And prior to going here, prior to doing this, he had gone down to Jericho and he had done what in Jericho? He had healed a blind man and then he had the run in with Zacchaeus. Okay? And then he comes up to Bethany, and then he goes down the, down the Mount of Olives, down the Kidron Valley, and into 
uh, Jerusalem. And these people, I want, the reason I say that is because I want to introduce two groups. There's the group, this is a group of people that have come into Jerusalem. Normally, there's 50,000 people, the population of Jerusalem. During the time of the Passover or any of these big festivals, that, that would jump from 250 to 350,000 people. So a lot of people would come in. And they would bring these palm branches to build what? Tents, booths, booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. They'd build these booths out of their palm branches. And there's not enough palm trees around Jerusalem. They'd be whack at cutting off. So they have to bring their own palm trees. Okay? And when they see Jesus, they immediately go, oh man, he's here. And they start taking their coats off. If you, if you go to the synoptics and you read about what happened when he found the colt, he found the donkey with a colt, and they started laying their coats on it. And they started taking palm trees and coats, palm branches, and laying them down the road as Jesus would enter. Because this is Mashiach coming into Jerusalem, just like it was predicted in Zechariah 9. This is the fulfillment uh, of what they want. Now let me, let me say something about the cult. In, in the ancient times, if a king captures a city, you will know how he's going to treat you by what he rides into the city. If he rides a, comes riding a donkey, it means, I want peace. If he comes riding a white stallion, what does it mean? You're dead. You're dead. John got to see Jesus both ways. Both ways. He comes riding a donkey here, and in John in Revelation 21, he sees Jesus on top of a white horse. I think it's fascinating. <clears throat> Do not be afraid, O Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey. At John whispers in our ear. At first, <laughs> he writes in the third part. At first, his disciples. Okay, at first we did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did we realize these things had been written about him and that we had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him had continued to spread the word that he had called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead. And many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, This is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. I, I wish there were a way to duplicate the excitement that these people from the surrounding towns, from Galilee, from all around Israel felt, and the depression or the, um, how do we save our gig kind of feeling that the people inside of Jerusalem had. Because you see, even though they were occupied by the Romans, they had a pretty sweet gig. They could collect their own temple taxes. They could do their own thing. Rome was pretty well, yeah, you can keep all your wacko feasts and festivals and you can eat kosher. You can do all that kind of stuff and we're not going to bother you. All you have to do is once a year you got to say, yeah, Caesar, we think you're great. Okay? And if they cause an uprising, if there's an uprising, they could lose 
Hamakim, we could lose our place. They could take it all away. All right? Okay, good. I'm, I'm doing good, I think. Okay, good. Look at verse 20. Once again, John does, oh, that's okay. He might have a point. I'm not. <laughs> If, you want, if you're following along in Luke, this is where he overchanges the money changers at the temple. And John, we've already had that. We had it early on in his ministry. You know, there's an interesting thing. And so if you follow Luke, we're now at Luke 19.45, where Jesus goes into Jerusalem. First thing he does is go to the temple, and he overturns the money changers at the temple and throws them out and says, How dare you? What are you doing? The funny thing about all those deals, if you read them, is the people that are running the money changer, they, they don't really get that upset about it. Why not? Remember I did the, remember I did the temple thing and we've looked at it we've looked at it a bunch. We've looked at it a bunch. Holy, I mean the temple mount itself, holy of holies. Um, the the Jews could go here. The women could go here, and the Gentiles get the Gentiles actually got this outer court right here. This is the Gentiles. Well, this thing used to be on the Mount of Olives, but they've set up the money changers deal in the Gentiles' court, taking away their only place for prayer. Just think about if you're at the Wailing Wall and they're selling scarves and hats right beside you. It takes away their access to God, their house of prayer. And so my point on that is the people that were running that show, they don't really get upset because they know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. He, so I think he could have done it three times. Anyway, John doesn't pick that one up. He assumes we know it from Luke. And look at chapter, verse 20. I said all that to say this. Why would the Greeks come? It's because the Greeks wanted to know, why is he, what's happening here? What's happening here? Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They're coming to celebrate Passover too. These are Greeks that are called Theophilus, God lovers. Remember Luke? Remember the beginning of Luke? Many people have undertaken to write about, I mean, to, to write about those things. Most excellent Theophilus, not necessarily a person, but maybe a group of God lovers. They came to Philip, which is the only Greek named uh, disciple, who was from Bethesda at Galilee, and they said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip both went to tell Jesus. Notice what Jesus says. The hour has come. What would he have said up until the, prior to this? How many times have we heard, it's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. Now he says, it's my time. Here we go to sadness. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Notice he uses the word glorified instead of 
crucified. I'm going to be glorified. I'll tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And now watch this, because this is almost like, when I read this, I, I thought, I, I think immediately of King Lear. This is like a soliloquy, what he says. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me out of this hour. Did you like my Greek there? <laughs> Have you got the Greek New Testament? Okay, I want you to work on something in a minute. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Glorify your name. Watch what happens here, sports fans. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. God spoke. The crowd that was there heard it and said, It thundered. Other, others said an angel spoke to him. Once again, they don't understand. Jesus said, This voice was not for your benefit, or not for my benefit, but was for yours. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Jesus realizes that the penalty for all the world's sins is getting ready to come down, crashing on his shoulders. He is the scapegoat. He is the one. The crowd was there and they heard and said, I'm sorry, uh, but I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die because he knew. And the crowd spoke up and said, we have heard from the law that the Christ will, re will remain forever. Where would they get that? Is anybody... Well, Hebrews says that the Christ is like Melchizedek, who was ha genealogy, ha genealogos, sorry, ha genealogos, did not have a beginning or an ending. So once again, they equate the law with the wisdom writings. You see? <clears throat> so how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said, you're only going to have the white light a little while longer. While you're walking the light, while you have the light, uh, walk in the light before the darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, he left and he hid himself. Now, this, these next verses are John's commentary on what just happened. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not, look at it, believe. Think about that just a second. You know, you and I say, if we could only just see one miracle, God, if you could just show me one miracle, 
He's done all these things. He's healed all these people. There's a dead man standing right beside of him. God has just spoken. And all Jesus has to do left is, he, he just thinks to himself, what else can I do? I guess I'll just have to die. That's what this whole part's about. <clears throat> then he quotes Isaiah, who lived 750 years before Jesus. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The Apostle Paul in Romans would probably answer that, to whom has the arm of the Lord not been revealed? <clears throat> For this reason they could not believe, because as, as Isaiah said elsewhere, he's blinded their eyes, he's deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because 750 years before he saw Jesus' glory and he spoke about him. I just think that's awesome that the prophets got a full picture of what this is going to look like. Yet at the same time, even among the leaders, uh, even among the leaders, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith because they were afraid of a cherub. They were afraid to get thrown out of the synagogue. You know, uh, Josh and I taught Hebrews. One of the premises, I think, for the writing of the book of Hebrews is there's a group of priests who are Jesus people. And they don't know what they're going to do with their lives. So why is all the priestly talk in Hebrews? It's because he's trying to tell these guys, look, you've got you to change your occupation. It's not going to work out for you anymore. Then Jesus cried out, <clears throat> When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. That's Deuteronomy 18, prophet like Moses. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, I don't judge him. For I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save it. For there is a judge... The very, for the very one who rejects me and does not accept my words, that very word which I have sp spoke will condemn him on the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say, how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Now I want to make two... <coughs> what, what's, what's the time looking like? <coughs> Okay, that's terrible. <clears throat> I want to make two... Um, <clears throat> can you roll back time, Isaiah? <clears throat> I want to make two, two assertions. Before Jesus came, what was the opposite of sin? I just want you to think about this. This doesn't have to be right or wrong. This is from a crazy teacher. Just think about this this week. Before Jesus came... The opposite of sin was being good. It's the opposite of sin. You be good. After Jesus, what's the opposite of sin? <clears throat> Failure 
to believe in Jesus. Here's my, here's my, my big one. If you go to the final judgment day and you meet all those people, Peter meets you and he guides you and all that stuff, you will not be condemned for your sin, but for your failure to believe in Jesus. The exact same thing these people right here were suffering from. They didn't believe it. How do you believe it? You better get in this Word. This story needs to mean something to you, down to your bones. It's not just something you tell Bible stories to. It's something you need to believe to your core. <clears throat> Chapter 13. In 12 minutes. It was just before the Passover, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the... I got a real problem, Josh. Ace Telos. Here, here's the problem. I think the problem is for translators. How do you translate that? Telos being, help us. The end or completion or perfection. Okay, now then, synchronize that with what all our virgins say. Well, they say this. Look at, he now showed them the full, uttermost extent of his love. Yeah, so it could do ace telos to the fullness. To the fullness, okay. But forget all that stuff about love. It was to the fullness. You see what I'm saying? The translator has a hard time trying to make sense of what that says. Is that right? Right. And so, yeah. That, I, that's, that's exactly what I want out of that because I've struggled with it all week. But that's what the, the people, the translators are struggling with. They're trying to tell this in a story where you can understand it, where I can understand it. But for me, when I read that, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And John does, um, John likes word plays. Okay. So with, um, at the beginning with Nicodemus, uh, born Anah. From above or again, right. can't, there's no English word that has both those meanings. So he'll, he does a lot of words that mean more than one thing. Son of man must be lifted up right. on the cross and exalted. Right. And so love him to the fullest. Right. He's going to show the full extent of his love and kind of the completion of his mission. So aren't you glad so I rich, yeah. aren't you glad I called you and gave you a heads up on that this week? <laughs> 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 The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. As a matter of fact, Matthew 26 says that back um, six days ago that, that the devil had entered Judas. 
And Jesus knew that the Father had put everything under his power and that he had come from God and was going to return to God. So he got up from the meal and he took out his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. By the way, the context for this is Luke 22:24, where the disciples are fighting among themselves as to who's going to be the greatest. And so they're, they're back and forth, back and forth, and then Jesus just gets up, takes off his coat, wraps a towel around him, and starts washing their feet. <clears throat> we all know this story, so let's go to 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because I've earned it. For that's what I am. Now I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you to do as I've done. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master. Um, once you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now I'm not referring to all of you. I know who I have chosen, but this is to fulfill, what does your Bible say? Scripture, the writings. This is to fill the writings, the wisdom literature. He who shares my bread has lifted up my, his heel against me. Um, okay, so let's talk about how they eat. In Middle Eastern culture, they sit, they actually lay on big throw pillows and eat all this Mediterranean gobbledygook. Um, <clears throat> they sit and they eat hummus and chickpeas and all that. Anyway. They sit around and, and they have like a, a lazy, lazy, they have like a table in the middle. So Jesus, who's throwing the party, would sit at the center of the party. And the honored guest would sit to his right. We still do that today. That's still our etiquette. You set the honored guest to the right, okay? The, on the left-hand side is the place of, does anybody know? <clears throat> The intimate friend. This is my friend. And I elevate him to that position. Now then, I disagree with Da Vinci on this. Um, let's keep, keep looking. 19. I'm telling you the truth now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I'm he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I, uh, anyone I send accepts me. Whoever accepts me except the one who sent me. And then Jesus said, and, and after he said this, Jesus was deeply troubled. I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. That is the very second that da Vinci captures in his painting. They all look at one another like, that's what da Vinci called. I just disagree with da Vinci's seating arrangement because they weren't sitting at a table. Remember, okay, let, let's keep going. How much time have I got, Alex? I'm going to read real fast, okay. <clears throat> um, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, we know that's John, was reclining next to him. He's in the honored guest deal. If you look at John 21, 20, he says, I leaned back on his breast. I leaned back. And then what does it say about the, in, about the intimate friend? 
it says that he, Jesus was able to take the bread and dip it and give it to the intimate friend. He wasn't reaching way down the table. He was right here. Look, to, look at Psalm 41. Psalm 41. This is King David sitting in a pasture a thousand years before this happened. Verse 5. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? Just think about what's going on. Whenever one comes to see me, he speaks falsely. With his heart he gathers slander, and he goes out and spreads it abroad. All my enemies whisper together against me, and imagine the worst for me, saying, I hope a vile disease besets him, and I hope he will never get up from the place where he lies. Even my closest friend, whom I trusted, he who shared bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. I think that's talking about Judas. That's why it hurts. Jesus answered, It's the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon. And Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. What you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus had said this to him. Some thought that he was just going to go out and pay for something because he was the treasurer. Um, look at verse 33, um, uh, 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, then God will glorify the Son himself and will glory, glorify him at once. My children, your version ought to say, my little children, micron technon. It's a hypex legomena. It's only found this, this one right here and in 1 John. Micron technon, my little children. I'll be with you only a little while longer and you'll look for me. And just like I told the Jews, so I'll tell you now, where I'm going, you can't come. A new... Help. Can it not be command? I don't like commandment. Because what's a commandment? It's a law. It's a law. And laws have what? Consequences. Yes. And when you teach your kids, there's some things you don't do, you're going to face the consequences. Then there's some things, remember, remember when you, mom and dad said, don't do that. That just, and you did it anyway, and then it was disappointing. I'd rather you just beat me than have me disappoint you. Just beat me. I think it's, I think command works better. It does for me. Good, good, good. I want you to see the struggle. A new command I give you. I'm sorry. So I'm glad you approved the NIV. <laughs> I have the NIV and it says commandment. Oh, it's marked out. Mine's the original NIV. <laughs> a new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. All men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. As John was getting older, I've already told you, I think John was in his 80s when he wrote this. 
Um, as John was getting older, one of the church historians, Eusebius Arrhenius or somebody, says that the people around thought that he was in total uh, senility. Uh, he had totally gone off the deep end because they would bring him matters of concern and they would say, now John, how would you rule on this? And here's what he would say. My little children love one another. I know, but, but can you help us here? My little children love one another. Adios. <laughs>